This morning, for just a little while, we would like to turn our attention to the cross. I would like for us to, to, to see Jesus hanging there on the cross. I would like to see his hands and his feet where they drove those spikes through them. There we see him being mocked. And they said, if you are the king of the Jews, come down from the cross. And you know, he could have called for 10,000 angels to take him off of that cross. He had that power. But no, he realized that he was to taste death for everyone who believes on him, who was called or chosen before the foundation of the world. They spit upon him. They placed the crown of thorns upon his head and they took a reed and they drove it down into his skull and blood began to pour down your Savior and my face. Do we see him there? I hope so. This morning... We're going to find seven times that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to us from the cross. Seven times he spoke. And the first time, we find that in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the first thing he said, hanging there on the cross. They just slayed him. They just crucified him. They just did all those things that we just talked about. And then he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness. Oh, what forgiveness the Father has for each one of us that he was willing to go to the cross. That is man at his worst. There we see the Lord of glory among men. He was not wanted. At his birth, there was no room for him in the end. Shortly after his birth, what did Herod do? He sought to slay them, the, the little boys, and he sought to, sought to slay Jesus. To destroy him again and again, his enemies sought to destroy him. And now their desires were granted. A mock trial, his judges, they found no fault in him. The deed had been accomplished. It had been done. A death of suffering and shame at the cross. A cross had been secured. Jesus nailed upon it. And there he hangs, silent. Because as we just heard in Isaiah 53, he led him as a lamb to the slaughter, but a sheep before her shears was dumb, so he opened not his mouth. 
silent. Then his pale lips began to move. Is he crying for pity? Someone asked. No. Is he pronouncing judgment on those who had just crucified him? No. Jesus is praying. He's praying from the cross. And you know what he says? Father, forgive them. For they don't even know what they're doing. Praying for his enemies. He prayed for you and for me. There on the cross. When we slayed him. We nailed him to the cross. I nailed him to the cross. What forgiveness the Father has for me. <clears throat> Number two, salvation. Luke 23, 42 and 43 says, and he said, who said? There was two thieves that were nailed on each side of the cross and the one thief cried out and he said, Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What salvation he offered to that lost sinner and to this lost sinner. He offered us salvation at the cross. It is no accident our Savior was crucified between two thieves. There are no accidents with God. All that God had decreed came to pass exactly as he ordained it. Jesus was crucified between two thieves to show the drama of salvation and man's response to salvation. The one received Jesus, the other rejected Jesus. The one loved Jesus, the other hated Jesus. The very sovereignty of God we see right there in those two thieves. Both wicked sinners. One died in his sins, apart from the living God, and the other died, called for Christ's mercy, repented of his sins and went to Jesus in paradise. What salvation and sovereign grace that he has given us from the cross. Thanks be to God. What a savior. And the third thing that Jesus said from the cross that he uttered was in John 19, 25, and 27. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple who he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then to the disciple, he said, Behold your mother. Affection. You know, 
I, I really, I've never been a mother, but I can't imagine, that's a good thing, I can't imagine that kind of, that kind of affection. Can you? I really can't. Here, here was Jesus' mother, Mary. Uh, what sorrow it must have caused her when Jesus was born and there was no room in the inn and she had to lay her baby boy on a floor in a manger, the very Son of God. What anguish was hers when Herod was going to kill her infant's life, take it. How her soul must have pierced her when she saw her son despised and rejected of men. What grief must have filled her heart as she saw him hated and persecuted by his own nation, the Jews. And who can even imagine what she passed through as she stood there at the foot of the cross of Jesus, her son and her Savior. What affection she must have had for her son. And then I wonder, do I have that kind of affection for my Savior? That kind of affection? See him hanging there? That's affection she had. I hope that I feel that type of affection for my Lord and Savior. The fourth saying that Jesus had at the cross was in Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can we even imagine the very Son of God, who was God himself, become the Son of Man? to die on the cross. Can we imagine the anguish that he had there on that cross when he had to be completely removed from his Father? Here Jesus knew that he would have to be separated from his Father. For he would have to take the sins of the world, those who were saved before the foundation of the world upon him and nail them to the cross once for all. He would have to become, as Corinthians says, he would have to become sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He knew he would have to taste death for each one of us who believed. Beloved, he went through that type of anguish for me and for you.
When I hear those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I should feel the anguish in my soul. It should bring me to my knees at the foot of the cross each and every day. Brings us to the fifth saying. John 19, 34, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, to fulfill all scripture, Jesus said from the cross, I thirst. I thirst. <laughs> These were words by, spoken by our suffering Savior. Just before he bowed his head, and gave up the Spirit. The very maker of heaven and earth, really the very Son of God, with parched lips, the Lord of glory in need of a drink, thirsty, beloved of the Father crying, I thirst. What a scene we look upon here as we see him hanging, nailed to that cross. In Psalm 69, 24, of old, the Spirit of God moved David to say of the coming Messiah, they gave me also gall for my meat and thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Bitter, bitter, bitter. I've never drank, I like a little wine, but I'll tell you, I've never drank straight vinegar. I don't think it'd be very good. Bitter as gall. Gall and vinegar they gave him to drink when he was so thirsty that the, his tongue stuck to the roof of his mouth. He suffered that kind of thirst for you and for me. There's a song, I think it goes something like this, a little song I learned years ago. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. And thanks be to God that he is the only one that can make us glad through his suffering and death and burial and resurrection. The sixth thing in John 19, 30, when Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. It is finished. He was hanging there, and he realized it was over. In Christ's last two sayings, we went from the tragedy of the cross, and now we're going to turn to the triumph of the cross. Victory. Victory. That's number six, is victory. In his cry, I thirst, it was a cry of lamentation. And now, 
we hear his cry of jubilation. It is finished. In that one word, it is finished, is but one word in the original Greek or uh, Hebrew, yet in that one word is wrapped up the very gospel of Jesus Christ. In that one word is contained the grounds of our hope and our assurance through the Lord Jesus. In that one word is the sum of all our joy and all our consolation because the full price of your and my redemption was fully paid by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The full price of our redemption has been paid. Praise the Lord. A poem I found upon a life I did not live. Upon a death I did not die. Another's death, another's life, I cast myself eternally. Bold shall I stand in that great day. For who ought to my charge can lay? Fully absorbed by Christ I am from sin's tremendous curse and blame. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Number seven. Luke 23, 46, and then Jesus, calling with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Contentment. These words set before us the last act of our Savior before he expired on the cross. It was an act of contentment and pure assurance and of love. The person to whom he had committed the precious treasure of his spirit was his own father, God. Father is an encouraging and an assuring word. We've all got fathers, and you know, I lost my father when I was 14, but it was, a, it was a wonderful thing to call him father. It was my dad, my daddy. Especially such a son <clears throat> into the hands of such a father. And you and I can be assured and contented this morning that we can place our spirit into the hands of such a father, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I am so grateful this morning that Jesus spoke seven times to us from the cross. And I really hope and pray this morning, I trust, that it will cause each one of us to love him even more. And our lives will not be the same. But they'll be transformed into his image and he'll receive all glory. And now we're going back just for a moment.
the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians there in the 4a. It says that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He was buried in that tomb. And he rose again. You know, if he would have stayed in the tomb, we'd be still lost in our sins. If he'd have stayed on the cross, we'd still be lost in our sins. But thanks be to God this morning that he did rise. He rose again for our justification. He's alive. And I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is alive. Because Jesus Christ has risen, you and I have no fear of the grave or our tomb. We will rise again also. Because he has risen, you and I will see him when he comes. If we are still here and not in the grave, we will see him come in the clouds of heaven. When he comes back for his church, and he takes all the redeemed from every race, every tribe, every nation, he'll come and take us in the clouds of glory. I remember just a few years ago, I get, well, it seems like a few years, probably been three or four now, and my little grandson, Austin, many of you know Austin, and we were in the backyard playing, and, and all of a sudden Austin looked up, and uh, it was kind of a cloudy day that day. And, and there was these old puffy or poofy or whatever you call clouds, you know, floating around up there. And, and Austin, he looks up, and uh, I remember he was like three years old, and he says, Grandpa? That's what he called me. Grandpa? Maybe Jesus will come in those clouds today and take us home to heaven. <laughs> I thought, boy, what, what faith of a little child, huh? Isn't that amazing? And I said, yeah, Austin, yeah, that's right. One of these days, maybe not today, but one of these days, Jesus will come again and take us home to heaven in those, one of those clouds. Yeah, he's coming. And Jesus says in John 14, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, for that where I am, there you may be also. We have a place in heaven already reserved for us. Praise the Lord, because of the resurrection. I will someday see his face in glory, and so will you. If you're in Jesus Christ this morning, and you will receive a glorified body. When I think about that, I, I look down there and I see Jamie, and I, 
and, and uh, look over there and I see Beth and, you know, they can throw away those wheelchairs and they can run and they can race on the streets of gold. I can't wait for that time. Well, what a time that's going to be. We'll have no more battles with worry. We'll have no battles with the sin of this old flesh of ours. There'll be no, no battles with any types of addiction that we might carry with us of this old flesh. Our bodies and our minds will be perfect and they'll be transformed in heaven. No wonder we as believers, we, I get excited because I get homesick for heaven. Because I'm still dealing with this whole flesh. And I say, even come. Quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quick. And then I realize, but, we're still here. Now, right now, on this earth. And then I think about, what is, what is the application of the message of the gospel today? What has Christ's death and his suffering and his resurrected life shown to you and to me today? This week, about a Tuesday evening, I believe, or a morning, I woke at about 1.45 a.m., I know because I looked up, I got this clock and it shoots up on the ceiling and tells how warm it is outside and tells me the, the time. So I get up here, whoop, oh, 1.45. I thought it was time to get up. And I was praying, I was beginning to meditate and I was thinking about the message of the gospel that we was going to bring. And then I wondered, it hit me, what does... What does the gospel really mean to me? Has it changed me? What does it mean? And it came to me really clear. There was my head on my pillow. We are to love Jesus as he loved. That's simple. Love Jesus as Jesus loved. How did Jesus love? We just heard about it. He gave his life for us. And he laid down his life for me. And that's what I need to do is lay down my life for others, for each one of you. Love you in that type of a way. If I'm to love as Jesus loves, I can do that only through the crucified and risen Savior not of myself. As Galatians 2.20 says, Paul saying again, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is his life living in and through me. That's the only way that I can love like Jesus loved, really. Then I thought, how? How can I love others more? Well, I can look after others' needs more than the needs of myself. 
I can always see the very best in others, in you. I don't have to think that my opinion is always the best and always right. I can listen to what others have to say. I can weep when others weep. I can laugh when others laugh. There's so many other things I can do to love, like Christ loved. I remember when my children were little, uh, there was a song, I, I can't remember how it went, but it was joy, joy, J-O-Y, J-O-Y. And it was Jesus first, yourselves last, and others in between. I, I, I can't, I'd sing it, but I can't, I don't remember how it went. But I do know that it was Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. And that's the kind of love Jesus had. You know, if we really loved others like Jesus loved, you talk about church growth. You know what? I don't think that, I, I don't think we'd pack this place out so full, we'd have to go out into the streets to worship. Do I really share the gospel? of Christ wherever I go? Do I tell others about Jesus? Or am I afraid of, that I'll be laughed at or that, that others will make fun of me? Look at Jesus. Look what he did, how he loved. We're to love people, share in their lives, give of your time, give of your talents and your treasures. But you know, then I stopped. And with my head on my pillow, and tears started streaming down my cheeks. And I saw each one of you here at Redemption Hill Church. Every one of you. And the Lord began to speak to me. Because I begin to see the ways that many of you are loving as Christ loved our body of Christ here. We have a loving fellowship. I want to encourage each one of you to continue on in that kind of love. There's only one reason, and that's because of what we heard this morning, that he died, he suffered, he was buried, and that he rose again. And then it got real personal. I saw the things that each one of you have done in love to me. All the little things that you probably don't even know. Where you love me in, in ways that you show. I, I could go through, <laughs> we could spend an hour in talking about the little things that you have done to me.
And then I was humbled. Really humbled. And this morning, you see, it's only because of the resurrected Jesus Christ, because he's changing and transforming each one of us after the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for the loving and glorious gospel. But drops of grief could never repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. It's all that I can do.